And so as we get ready to go into today, I want to wish all the fathers here happy Father's Day, first and foremost. Thank you guys for what you do. It seems like I actually read one study, and it was kind of funny. It said Mother's Day is one of the most well-attended church days, and Father's Day is one of the least attended church days. Because I truly believe that the Father's heart changes and transforms lives. But we got to get connected to the Father's heart. I was trying to figure out, and I'm going to get into my message now, I was trying to figure out on Father's Day, because I just started a new series last week on the invisible war that we're all facing. And I'm like, okay, Father's Day, how does that fit in? Do I want to continue in my series, or do I want to break off and do Father's Day? Well, as I was sitting and praying, sitting and struggling, sitting and thinking about it, I'm like, you know, honestly, we used to have an invisible war on fathers. Today in our culture, we have an all-out war on fathers and family. And so it's really easy. to It's not an invisible war. We can see the war that's happening now to attack families. I was reading one study on it, and sociologists have studied it, that when the nuclear family gets attacked, it's the next generation that suffers. It's the kids who suffer. In one study I read from the um, U.S. Department of Justice, they said that children who come from fatherless homes have a 63% youth suicide rate higher. They have 90% of all homeless runaway youths come from fatherless homes. Behavioral disorders are 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. High school dropouts are 71%. The juvenile detention rates are 70% of all juveniles and state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. S substance abuse, 75%. And aggression are at 75%. And to back that study up, because that study was from, 20, or from 1998 and 2016, teenagers placed in juvenile residen residential facilities shows that 45% were living in one-parent homes, where it's 30% in two-parent homes. See, we need to get back to what God intended. Father's Day, and I'm sorry, fathers, if you've had this happen, Father's Day seems to be a day for fathers. You come in, and we beat you up on how you ain't good enough, how you don't do enough. I mean, that's just the, isn't that the normal Father's Day sermon, it seems like? You should be doing this and this and you're not doing this. I don't want that today. I want you guys to understand that God has created you with an awesome job of being a father. Now, I also want you to understand that being a father doesn't just mean you are the, the dad to some children. They showed in one study I read, it was like an 85% increase of kids getting out of trouble when they had a male mentor, a male who would come alongside them and encourage them, lift them up speak into their lives. So see, it's not just our natural families I'm talking about today. Kids need male role models. Now, if we let them, culture will try to define what a man is. I want to blow that out the water this morning and understand we are going to look to see what God says a godly man is. And what does he say our job is? Because guess what? You all were created a specific way for a specific purpose. Some studies show that why, why mothers are very emotional, tender, loving, 
Guys are straight to the point when they explain things. That's great because honestly what it causes our children to do is actually have to start critically thinking, what did he really mean? What am I supposed to do? It causes our kids to grow to critically think. See, so don't become who everyone else thinks you should become. Become who God's called you to be. We talked about it last week, and none of y'all raised your hands. None of you want to be me. I don't blame you. Some days, I don't want to be me. But God has called you to be you. What is your job in being a Christian? To follow Jesus. That's it. Now, we can come to church, and I can give a lot of good messages, and I can give you a lot of things, but it's only Jesus that's going to show you the Father and what a true Father is. And so I want, to, I want to encourage you today, and I want to challenge you today. Look up what we're talking about. Get into Scripture and let God redefine this stuff for you. And so as, as we get ready to move forward, be excited about Father's Day. How many of y'all going to grill today? Guys. Yeah, that's what we do on Father's Day, ain't it? It's our day, but we grill. Why? Partly because we like fire and we like food. So it's all good. You know, some person asked me one time what we do for guys in our church. And what was really funny is he asked me about two weeks after we all went and sighted our deer rifles in for, for hunting. It's like, what do you guys do as a church? I'm like, we shoot things. We went out and put our guns together. Isn't that what we do? We fish. We hunt. We take care of our families. We have fun. Now, I did read one study that said um, kids laugh an average of like 485 times a day. Adults laugh on average like 65 times a day. Somewhere we lost 420 laughs growing up. So I want you guys to laugh and have fun today. Following Jesus is fun. It is hard. It's not the easiest thing you're ever going to do, but it is fun, and it should be. See, I think all of you fathers want to be good fathers. But here's the problem. I don't remember when my son was born, the doctor giving me a manual how to take him home and be a good father. Did all you guys get one? Okay, I just want to make sure I did some weird little town up north didn't give out manuals for being a good father. See, they don't have one. Now, you have lots of books in bookstores that try to tell you how to be good fathers. But how many of y'all know that have more than one kid? They ain't all the same. I mean, I got one kid that I can yell at him, and it doesn't phase him a bit. I got another one that if I look at him funny, they're in tears. I'm like, how am I supposed to deal with this? I've got to figure all this out. And so as the best advice I can give you this morning is get into God's Word. That is our manual of being a father. Look at the Father's heart of God and try to imitate that. And like I said, this isn't just if you have natural children. This is also if you run across someone else you can have that Father's heart for them. Now, women, as you're here today, <laughs> and you think this might not be for you, it is. Because this is where, where your husbands need to be encouraged in. 
If you look into Ephesians, it says, you know, it basically says men are looking for respect. Women are looking to be loved. Men are looking for respect. So encourage your husbands to become the, God, the, the man God's called them to be. Don't tear them down because guess what? We are going to make mistakes. I know none of you spouses make mistakes. My wife's perfect. But, <laughs> okay, thank you, Aaliyah. Um, <laughs> she knows Christy well. Um, I'm not going to say that, though. Because why? Because to me, she is. We all make mistakes, but I'm not going to tear her down for her mistakes, just like I don't want to be torn down for mine. Let's encourage each other today. You know, honestly, and it's probably at the end of my message, but I'm going to tell you now, the best way to be a good father, learn to be a good husband if you're married. Learn to teach your kids how to respect women, how to respect their wives. See, Who, you older guys, let me ask this question. Or, and Dylan, you're older too today. Um, how, who was your guys' first hero? Doesn't matter who you are. As a boy, your first hero isn't a sports star. It isn't a movie star. It isn't a fireman. It isn't anybody else. It is your dad. So is it any wonder we struggle with those statistics when a child doesn't have their first hero? See, we got a lot of men, a lot of males, but not a lot of men. That's as tough as I'm going to be today. God is calling us to step up and be the men he's called us to be. And as we get ready to jump into our Bibles and see, and I'm just going to go through a couple key things that if you read your Bible and you study what the father's heart is and and because he you know he does say honor your fathers and mothers and Jesus said I'm here to do my father's will and, and all this other stuff but there's three things that that come out as you as you go through and you read about the father and you read and see who Jesus was on what can teach us to be a good father and the first thing we look at when you look at it and 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 again, how I'm going, you don't have to, these three aren't exhaustive, they're just kind of what popped out to me, is God, God has called us as fathers to be the priests of our home. He has, caught, he has called us to teach our kids about him. Job 1.5 <laughs> says he would pray and offer sacrifices for his grown children even though they weren't living with them. He's like, just in case they're doing something wrong, God, here's the sacrifice. Forgive them. See, God has called us to pray for our children. He's called us to be that intercessor. That even though we may not know what they're doing, or may, we may not agree with what they're doing, or we may not, again, they may be going this way or that way. God has never, how many of y'all know that's a picture of us? Are all you guys just follow God? Great. You know, and they never make mistakes. No, but think about that now. The things we went through, and it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ came to die for us. Why? To establish a relationship back with the Father. And so who are we as fathers to ever stop praying for our kids? See, we're called to intercede for our kids, even when they're grown, even when they're little. How many of y'all remember when you were little, you'd walk into your kids' rooms and, and they would be sleeping and they're always so cute when they're sleeping. Then they wake up and everything breaks loose. But they're sleeping and they're beautiful. And you just pray over them. 
You know, we had our first granddaughter last year. Guess what I do every night and every morning is I pray for my granddaughter. I don't see her, but guess what? I want her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want her to be filled with the love of Jesus. I want her to be a world changer and history maker. And so that's what we pray over our kids. We don't pray what we see, we pray what God shows us. See, we got to get our eyes off the problem and on to God. And we start praying for what God says, not what we see. Because I guarantee you, you look long enough, you're going to find a problem. But remember, the problem was taken care of on the cross. So we can pray for that. The second thing he calls us, to, as we're a priest of that home, is to be an instructor. Deuteronomy 6, 7 says, Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up, teach them about God. Now, probably the biggest issue with that, a lot of, a lot of what we deal with today is, is you may have a two-parent home, but you have an absent parent. You know, that one that's always working and never has time to emotionally connect. And that's part of my next point is we want to make sure that when we're at home, we're taking time with our kids to instruct them. We're taking time to teach them. We're taking time to listen to them. Don't just hear them. Listen. And again, pray for discernment as you're talking to your children. What are they really trying to tell me? You know, they may be telling you with the struggle that they're having, but, but God reveals, the Holy Spirit will reveal a different struggle that they're having. And so you start, instead of starting to, you know, stop treating symptoms, we start treating the issue. Because we always are great at talking about symptoms, aren't we? But we never want to dig down where it hurts and get to the root issue. But that's where the Father does his best work. That's where he changes things and transforms things is when we get to that deep part. The third thing you want to be as that priest of that home is you need to be an example for your kids. One guy once said that an example is nobler than advice. The Bible in 1 Kings 16.30 said that King Ahab of Israel was worse than his father, King Omri. It also says in 2 Chronicles 26.3 and 4 that King Uzziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord just as his father Amaziah had done. How many of y'all know that your kids aren't going to do what you say, but they're going to follow what you do? Kids got steel traps when they see you do something. And they will imitate it. So let's start imitating the Father. And how many of y'all just want to have someone walk up to your son and say, dude acts just like you? Years ago, not a snowball's chance would I want that to happen because I know who I was. If he would act like me, I didn't like who I was. But they will also imitate you when you're leading them in that godly example. And so you, you learn to be that example. See, our Father instructs us in the ways of, of the Lord. He sets the example for us. He moves us in the direction we may go. See, we may know our kids don't always listen to us, but understand they are watching your every move. And I truly believe that this generation is in dire need of fathers who lead by example. Instead of just telling them what they, we think they should do, we should show them by our life. And we've talked about that as being Christians. 
you know, share the gospel, and when necessary, use words. We need to live out what we say we believe so when people see us, they glorify God, not our wisdom and not what we do. The fourth thing in that is being a priest of your home is, is you're called to be a leader. See, Jesus is not just our great high priest, but he is also the ultimate model for leadership. The Bible doesn't directly say that Jesus was a leader. However, if you look at the stories and you look at the story of his life, he displays the qualities of a leader. One of the biggest qualities of a leader is people are following. If you think you're a leader and you're by yourself, you want to walk alone. You aren't being a leader. A leader brings people along with us. Again, it doesn't dictate. It walks beside. Far too many men are, are not willing to assume leadership in their own homes today. See, a lot of men will be good leaders at work. They'll be good leaders in their hobbies. But when they walk back into their house, they give up that leadership role that God's called them to do because they're afraid, honestly, most of the times, of saying the wrong things. Well, hate to break it to you, you're going to. But this is where the grace of your spouse is going to help you walk through those, and together you learn how to do it. I've told you guys before, and, and, and I love the example of Adam and Eve and understanding how a husband-wife relationship should be. Again, you think about it, it says God took a rib out of man to make Eve, right? The rib is under his arm, which means she is my support, I am her support, she is walking right next to me, I am not above her or below her, and she is not above me or below me, we are together, we are a team. And when I understand that, that that is my role, to lead my family in that way of sacrificial, selfless love, some of you guys are going to see your marriages change and ain't nothing changed but you. See, we become who God's called us to be. The second thing God has called us to do for our home is to be a provider. There's an old book that we did a men's study on years ago at Life Assembly that was called Wild at Heart. And it is a great book for men. It talks about how we were created to, to you know, Take care of our families, to protect them, to provide for them. Go out, hunt, fish. Back in the day, have a club, club something over the head, drag it home into the cave. Whatever it was, that's just how God created us. You know, we jokingly say, you know, we go around and we go out and hunt. Well, guess what? That's actually a lot of it in our, our DNA is, is to provide. That's how God created us was to provide for our families, to take care of them. But see, the provision isn't only taking care of them with food and money. It's also a physical protection. And y'all heard me tell you before that there's one thing that could possibly make me lose my religion, and that is somebody attacking my family. At that point, I could revert being back to old Gene, because I will protect my family. And in a lot of times, the sad part about it is I have to protect them from themselves and from me and the wrong decisions I'm making. 
See, that's why we got to go back to step one of understanding that in order to be a leader, we got to follow the ultimate leader, which is Jesus. And so we learn to protect them physically, but we also then are pro- provide for them physically. We also have to provide for them emotionally. Now, if any of you guys are as old as me, y'all probably had fathers that did not tell you they loved you. They were raised in a generation that emotions were not shared. I can tell you, true story, two weeks before my dad died was the first time he ever told me he loved me. You can ask my son here today, when's the last time I told him I loved him? Might have been last night. See, emotionally, we have to support and protect our kids. When they're bullied at school, we have to protect them, emotionally more than physically. We ha- our kids are looking for ki- people to come alongside them, and please, dads, do this, and lift them up and encourage them emotionally, knowing that, guess what? They are not you. They're not going to be like you. They're going to make mistakes just like you did. Some of y'all forgot you ever made a mistake and think your kids are supposed to be perfect. No. They're going to make mistakes. We're just going to come along and emotionally lift them up and hold them close. They need that affirmation. See, whatever you do as a job, don't be ashamed of it. You're providing for your family. And that's what God's called you to do. Whatever you're doing and you're following God's word, just do it with all you got. Continue doing it with all you got. Because God doesn't look down on you for anything, any mistakes you've made. That's why Jesus came. Because he wants that father relationship with you. The third thing is you need to be that protector. Psalm 127.3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. (laughs) Parents love that verse. But do you understand that the verse... In that verse, children are a heritage from God, meaning they are not your children, they are His. And I always say, I just tried not to screw mine up too bad. They were just on loan from God because they're His first before they're mine. And so I just got to, and again, it's why it's so important. You know, what I wrote down here, it says they belong to God, we're just their guardians. You know, we're just here to walk through life with them. We're here to instruct them. We're here to teach them. We're here to show them who Jesus is. We're here to do that type of stuff. See, oftentimes we're tempted to take our parental frustrations out on our children when they fail to meet our expectations. Little do we know by doing that is our actions can damage their self-confidence for good. Never take your frustrations out on them no matter how disappointed you are because remember, we have a heavenly father who did not take out his disappointment on us while we were still sinners. He chose to send his son to die for us so we could have that relationship again. You know, if if you turn in your Bibles, and you don't have to, but Luke 15, you've you've all heard the story of the prodigal son. I want us to look at that this morning from a father's point of view. See, we always talk about the sons. Now, he had two sons that were prodigals. There wasn't just one. 
The other one was living there angry and wanting to do what he was. It was a picture of a son who was living in a rebellion and one who was living in religion. And that picture we see a son, we, we basically see the son tell his father, you know, I wish you were dead. At that time, in that culture, when you asked for your inheritance before your father was dead, because you didn't get your inheritance until your father died, he's like, I wish you were dead, give me my money. Takes his money, goes off into the faraway land, and starts partying, starts getting with prostitutes, starts living the good life. Culture saying, do what you want, make you happy, life is all about you, have fun. One day, dude wakes up in the pig pen, then he's on his way home. And now here's where that picture of that father what would have happened if that father hadn't been waiting for his son? Now, we know from the story that the father was keeping an eye on the weathered horizon watching for his son to come home, right? What would have happened if he hadn't been waiting to that son? Thank God we don't have to know. Because that is the picture of the father. That's the picture of God watching over us waiting for us to come home. That is what God did for us. See, as much as that story was about the repentant heart of the son, it was about the unconditional love of a father waiting for his son to come. said, I'm always going to be praying for my son no matter where he's at because one day my son's going to come home. One day he's going to be back in the fold. One day he's going to come back and so I'm going to keep watching. And that's what God did for us. Is he was constantly saying... Gene, I know who you could be. I know what you could have. I know the lives you could touch. And I'm just going to keep sitting here. My son died for you. And then one day, I got the two by four upside the back of my head. And I said, Jesus, if we don't put you first, this ain't happening. And that's been a journey for the last 20 years that I will never regret. Why? Because God, the father, had been waiting for his son, Gene, to come home. And he's looking at you that way this morning too. He's just waiting for you to come back and grow a little bit closer. See, the actions of that father as we look at him are shocking. We say, how could he have just been waiting? How could he throw a ring on that son's finger? How could he throw a party for this one kid who just came back? He was living in rebellion. He doesn't deserve it. And that's how we treat our kids who don't do what we want them to. I'm going to wash my hands of them because they're going to do what they want. But thank God he never did. Because none of us would be here today if he had done that. Sons and daughters he was watching for. See, rather than force his son to stay, the father gave him the right to go. The son squandered everything he had been given, but the father was waiting patiently. See, though the father deeply loved both of his children, neither of them had embraced his love. Because when the one didn't get the party, he threw a fit saying, I was doing everything I was supposed to do. I showed up at church. I did my devotionals. I even got together for a Bible study once in a while. God, I am doing everything I'm supposed to do. And he's like, but you're missing my love. Embrace my love. Embrace Jesus. See, both sons were prodigals, and the father loved them both equally. See, it's easy to see the son's rebellion. It's harder to see the religious activities and the thinking we can impress God to get his love. But that's what was happening. 
And this is why Jesus told the story with Pharisees there. He's like, yes, you are doing all the right things as far as every, the law says, but are you living it to be an example, to be a protector of those who can't do it, and to be a provider? And that's why God calls us to be that. See, all the Father wanted for both of them was to know how deeply he loved them. And that's all I want for my children. In fact, I've told them all that. I'm like, you have no idea what I want for you. I just want you to be happy. I don't care what that looks like. Digging ditches, sweet. If you're happy, sweet. Do what God's calling you to do. Follow the Father's heart. See, there's nothing better than when our kids run up and say they love you, is there? How y'all many of y'all got older kids remember when your kids were little? And you pick them up, and they give you that kiss like ah, all over your face. And there was nothing more awesome, was there? There, if you're a parent, you know it. Y'all giggle, but y'all know there was nothing more cooler. Some of you people that don't have kids are like, oh, that's gross. Um, no, there, there's nothing more awesome than that, than having your child say, "I love you." Now we have a perfect father, who's just waiting for the same thing, for his children to say, "I love you," and he's gonna say, "Welcome home." Welcome back to the flock. Today, as we celebrate Father's Day, I want to start or end this morning. I want you to pray for your children. If you're married, I want you to pray for your wife. Men, start to become the men God's called you to be. And understand it's okay to pray in front of your family. How many of y'all know as guys it's okay to cry in front of your family? Why do you think I close my eyes when I lead worship? Because if I see my wife or my kids worshiping, game over, I ain't singing. Because to me there is nothing greater than to see my family in love with God. And so it's okay to let your kids see those emotions. Years ago, yes, don't cry not manly, blah, 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 blah. I will cry. I, I will watch some TV shows, and I see a son, or if I see a marriage that's, that's getting reconciled, or I see somebody helping somebody that's down and out, I will still get tears to my eyes to this day. Because that's what excites me about what God wants to do. He wants to see his children come home. And so as we pray for that, Sean, can you come up and just, or actually, Aiden, if you want to play piano. Um, we're going to just give you a couple minutes to pray over that. The length of the prayer doesn't matter this morning. What does matter is your heart. As you pray for your children, as you pray for your, your spouse, as you pray for other people you know, as you pray for other kids you may know, understand fatherhood doesn't stop with your natural family. We can be a father to a lost generation who never had a father and show them what, what a heavenly father is like. 